Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church. Uh, welcome to week four of the new year and to uh, week three of our opening series for 2019. This year can be different. And, and listen, the God who we've gathered to worship in this room today, I want you to know that those five words really are true. Yes, this year, how was last year? This year can be different. Yes, 2019 can be better, bolder, bigger, and brighter than you could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Amen? Amen. Hey, look, three people in the eye, give them a high five, and tell them this year can be different. Some air high fives, right? And you know, I, I think it's pretty cool that we're talking about this year can be different on the last Sunday of, of January because as I said in week one, 80% of people bail out on the New Year's resolution by the end of January. So we're still talking about making them. So I think we're, I think we're doing pretty good. Uh, this year can be different. If you, as we learned in week one, if you grow like Jesus, Jesus grew in wisdom, intellectually, in stature, physically, in favor with God spiritually, and in favor with man relationally. So it's been, it's been three weeks. You know, have you filled out your values and goal sheet yet? Like, what kind of person do you want to become? Are you living your life for an impressive resume or for a meaningful relationship impacting eulogy? And have you prayerfully set a few goals in each of those four areas? Intellectual, physical, spiritual, and relational. If yes, awesome. If so, you know, be sure to share them with somebody. I shared them with the guys I meet with at Chick-fil-A. By the way, we meet at Chick-fil-A 7 a.m. the second and fourth Wednesday of every month, and you're welcome to join us. If you haven't made them, hey, there's still time, right? Listen, you cannot let another year slip away. Get it? Good. This year can be different if you grow like Jesus and if you embrace these three things. And thing number one is forgetting. It's losing out of mind what, what is behind. And maybe for you what that is, you need to leave behind some past sin and failures or, or maybe some of the regret and shame that comes with that. Or maybe for you what you need to behind need to leave behind is trying to earn your way to be right with God. Remember, Paul says, I consider all the stuff I do to earn my way to be right with God as garbage or literally as animal excrement, right? He says, the best we can bring to the table is nothing more than, than dog poop. Or maybe what you need to leave behind is the hurt caused by other people. And, and listen, if you insist on holding on to hurt caused by other people, your 2019 has already been derailed out of the gates. And you need to embrace and keep striving to live out thing number two, which is straining toward and pressing on to what is ahead, to, which is becoming more and more like Jesus. Yeah, I get it. I feel you. I mean, becoming like Jesus seems like an impossible task. Love others just as Jesus loved you. Forgive others just as Jesus forgave other people as he forgave you. But remember, it's not about, and when I think about that, I'm like, hey, how's that ever going to happen? But remember, it's not about 
how. It's about, it's not about knowing how, it's about being where. As Jesus taught us in Mark 4. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though it does not know how. Though he does not know how. The farmer doesn't know how. The, the seed seems so small and insignificant, and once he puts it in the ground, it's, in, it's invisible. And the process of growth continues to happen, even though he does not know how. And Jesus says that's how growth in the kingdom is like. He, he says that, you know, sometimes, like a seed, what we, we do may seem so small and insignificant. And the work that it's doing in our life is often invisible. And when it comes to how the process actually sprouts and grows, we are ignorant. But here's the deal. You don't have to know how, you just have to know where. And here's the bottom line from last week. If you want to become more like Jesus, you have to embrace actions that put your life in the dirt, just like the seed in the dirt, don't know how, and then just let the dirt, the Holy Spirit, do its work. Look at three people and tell them, let the dirt do its work. Let the dirt do its work. As people were leaving last week, I told them, hey, this week, remember, go play in the dirt. Be sure to play in the dirt. Read the Bible, right? And pray often, right? It seems so small and insignificant. Make being in church every week a priority in your life. Do life together and prayerfully set goals in those four areas. Listen, don't let knowing how, don't let not knowing how keep you out of the dirt because that's where the Holy Spirit does its work. Like, I don't know how, right? Like, I don't know how, again, last week, I I downloaded a a, a pedometer just this morning, right? It's like, this is crazy. Like, it went back all week long and counted how how many times I went up and down stairs, right? And so I'm walking around the lake going, that's pretty cool. You know, like Sunday, I, I did like 19 levels. I've run up and down, up and down, you know, because I forget something, up and down. And so God is helping me be healthy by forgetting things. I have no idea how that thing does that. How many steps I take, how far it is, how many times I went up the stairs and down the stairs. I don't know how, but you know what? I'm not going to delete the app. I'm still going to use it. You don't have to know how. You just have to know where. And now it's time to talk about thing number three as we unpack and. Old Testament passage written by Solomon, David's son, the third king of Israel. Question. My phone just messed me up. Is anybody out there ready for a word from God this morning? Okay, we got three people. Well, it's coming. Look three people in the eye, give them a high five and say, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Hey, hey, let's pray. Hey, Father, God, we love you and we believe in you. And God, we believe your word is true, that it's powerful, that it's alive and that it's active. And we believe, God, that if we open up our hearts and minds, if we make sure that we are are good soil right now, that that you'll speak to us and the things that you speak to us can come into our lives and help us to grow and flourish, to become the men and women that you want us to be. Father, the enemy has no place in here. This is your house, not his. 
And so God, you know, we, we pray out every distraction. We pray out every lie of the enemy right now so that we can hear your truth. And God, I, I pray that I, 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 that I hear it even as I speak it, God, because this year, I, I want this year to be different in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 3,000 years ago, Solomon, moved by the Spirit of God, wrote the following words. That, it, that if you will embrace them and keep striving to live them out, it'll make this year different. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. A pretty well-known passage. If you've been around church for a while, you, you probably know it, probably memorize it in Sunday school. You may even have it in your house in a picture frame. And so in the time remaining, we're going we're gonna to dig into those two verses as we unpack thing number three, trust in, lean not, acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He'll make, he'll do what? He'll make straight your paths. Question, do you think that if your paths were straighter, in 2019, that your year would be different? Like, did you take any crooked paths last year? You know the ones with some twists and turns? So, did, 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 they, get you where, did they get you to where you wanted to go? Or, or did they lead you to some rough and rocky places and maybe even lead you to ending up in a ditch? Now, I'm sure we've heard the saying, the quickest path between two points is a crooked line. No, is a straight line. Now understand, God wants to get you to where you need to go in life, whether that is building a godly marriage, raising godly kids, growing spiritually, throwing off the chains of addiction, recovering from a, from a loss, escaping the bondage of bitterness, overcoming a hurt, living the life he created you to live. Listen, whatever it is, the Lord wants you to get there. And the quickest way to get there is a straight line. Now, now those four words in our text, he will make straight, are actually only one word in Hebrew. It's Hebrew word, yasher, yasher, uh, to be made straight, smooth, level, right, pleasant, prosperous, upright, and good. And, and the word translated path, arach, means path, road, highway, a way of living. Now, now do you think if the path you travel on in 2019 is straight, smooth, level, right, prosperous, upright, good, and pleasing because it gets you to your desired destination, do you think that your 2019 would be different, would be better? Okay, here's the deal. God wants to make straight your paths in 2019. I mean, he wants to make them smooth and level and right and pleasing and prosperous and upright and good. And that's exactly what he will do if you and I will embrace and live out thing number three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight, smooth, level, right, pleasant, prosperous, upright, and good your paths. Okay, let's do this. Thing number three, trust in, lean not, acknowledge him. So you say you want this year to be different. And again, if you don't want to be different, feel free to leave. Everybody can look at you and think, what? Okay, okay. Trust in the Lord 
then trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, notice what it's not saying. It's not saying trust your heart. It's saying trust the Lord. Now, how many times have maybe you heard the opposite? Now, honey, all you need to do is trust your heart. Follow your heart, dear. Do what you think and feel is right, and you'll just be fine. Right? But seriously, come on. It's like the heart is your heart, is my heart, is anyone's heart all that trustworthy? What do you think? Let me ask it another way. Raise your hand if you've ever known someone who trusted their heart, who trusted what they felt was right, the right thing to do. I mean, they walked down the path thinking, it can't be wrong when it feels so right. And then it ended up in a very bad place. Not at all the outcome they were shooting for. Do you know anyone who's ever done that? Raise your hand. Okay. Keep your hand up if that was you. <laughs> Right? We've all done that. And maybe we're doing it even now, trusting our heart, choosing past based on what we think or feel is right. But if you want this year to be different, you need to trust in the Lord and not your heart. Now, this week, I, I, I thought about what it means to, to trust in the Lord. And, 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 and I came to see that, you know, trusting in the Lord is played out in at least four ways. First, we need to trust in his person. Now, when I was growing up, you know, occasionally we would say a prayer before we ate our meal. Now, we said a bedtime prayer that was just totally dark. Anybody pray this bedtime prayer? It has nothing to do with my sermon. I can't believe my mom and dad had me pray this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die <laughs> before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul. What a crazy prayer to have a seven-year-old pray. Am I going to die tonight, Mom? But nothing to do. But, but there's a prayer that we prayed before we ate our meals a lot of times. And we'd say, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our... God is great. God is good. I said it backwards. No wonder it didn't rhyme. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Right? Right? It's really bad poetry, but, but it's really great theology, right? God is great, and God is good. Isaiah talks about God's greatness in Isaiah chapter 40. I encourage you to play in that dirt this week. Read all of Isaiah 40. In Isaiah 40, he says that God holds the oceans in the palm of his hands. There are 326 million trillion gallons of water on the earth. It says that with the breadth of his hands, he measured out the heavens. It says that, that, that the entire earth is nothing but a, a speck of sand to our God. It, it said that he created every star in the heavens. And there's some stars so big, they're as large as the entire orbit of Jupiter around the sun. Now, now, now one of the things he measured with the breadth of his hands was the Milky Way galaxy. You know how big it is? 100,000 light years. By the way, that's where we live. Now, what is a light year? The distance that light travels, right? It travels 186,000 miles per second. In a year, it travels 6 trillion miles. The galaxy we live in is 100,000 light years. And it's just one of the many galaxies. And there's billions of them. And God created them simply by speaking, let there be light. Repeat after me, let there be light. Are you like really worn out from saying that, right? Well, neither was God. And everything came into existence. So Psalmist says, great is the Lord. He's the most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. 
But we see God's greatness not just in the large and massive things like the stars and galaxies, but perhaps even more in smaller things like, like you. It was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. There are 37.2 trillion chemical reactions happening in your body right now. Your heart will beat 100,000 times today. And it'll pump five quarts of blood through 100,000 miles of capillaries, veins, and arteries. If your blood vessels were laid end to end, they would circle the earth four times. Your eyes can differentiate between 1,000 shades of color. Your tongue has 8,000 taste buds on it. Your brain has 100,000 billion electrical connections, more than all the appliances in the world. There are six feet of DNA in every cell in your body. The average adult body contains 30 trillion cells. If all the information, all your DNA and all your cells was, was put on paper, it would fill the Grand Canyon 50 times. If all the DNA in your body was unraveled and laid end to end, it would reach out 34 billion miles. Some, some perspective on that. On September 5th, 1977, the Voyager 1 was launched. It travels at 38,000 miles per hour, almost a million miles every day. It was launched 41 plus years ago. And as of 2 p.m. Friday, I went to the website, it has traveled 13,492,209,920 miles. It's going to run out of gas in 2025 and be 16 billion miles away. Not even half the distance of your DNA stretched out. Would you look at someone and just tell them, you have amazing DNA. <laughs> you have amazing DNA. See, you can, some of you want to wish you were sitting next to somebody else, right? <laughs> or that could be pretty uncomfortable. Uh, you can trust in the Lord because he's great, because he's powerful, he's before all things, he's over all things, he holds all things together. You can trust in him because he has all the answers. He can deliver what he promised. He can provide all that we need. He can bring peace to any conflict, conquer any problem, calm any storm, defeat any enemy. The so Jeremiah said this, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Sovereign Lord, nothing is too hard for you. I'm going to have you repeat that a couple times. And I want you to think about maybe you're going through some stuff right now, right? And so, I mean, you're going to, you want to just say this thing, right? I know it's hard. It's difficult, right? We're talking about God. Repeat after me. Sovereign Lord, nothing is too hard for you. Sovereign Lord, nothing is too hard for you. I know it's difficult right now. I know you're struggling right now. It's health, it's finances, it's a relationship. It's not knowing what to do next. But sovereign Lord, nothing is too hard for you. God is great and God is good. 
For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You see, it's one thing to say that God is great. I mean, all major religions acknowledge the fact that their God is great. But what sets Christianity apart is their unrelenting belief that, that our God is not just great, but that our, God, that our God is good. And listen, he settled that fact, right, 2,000 years ago when he stretched out his arms. I mean, I mean, what good is infinite power if we have no access to it? You see, God can do whatever he wants and desires, and thankfully what he desires is to make his power and resources available to us. See, God wants to seep his goodness into every pore of your life so that you can live life to the full and abundant. And understand, no matter what you've been through or what you're going through, God's been good to you. I mean, you're here, you're alive, you're breathing. He's given you another day, and he's brought you in this place that you might come to know him and encounter him and experience him more. And listen, if you're a Jesus follower, God has been gooder to you. It should be a word. If I can't find a word, I'll make me up a word. He's been gooder to you than we deserve. I and mean, we're saved. We're forgiven and redeemed by the power and blood of Jesus Christ. And if God never did another single thing in our entire lives, he demonstrated his goodness to us for all time. Amen? So you can trust in the Lord because he is infinitely powerful and his intentions towards you are infinitely good. Trust in his person and trust in his purposes. And, and, and I, I want to I read a, a few verses of scripture and then I'm going to say two things about, two things about his, his purposes. But I, I want you to know that when I read scripture, it's not just to fill out time. I'm not looking for filler. When I read scripture, it's because it is the very word of God. And it's, when I read scripture, it's the most important stuff that I'm going to say while I'm standing up here, all right? So it, this is not just filler. This is the word of God, and it's alive, and it's active. So I'm going to read some scripture, and then I'm going to make a, a, some statements about his purposes. These scriptures speak to it. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. By the way, this was written to a people who were having a really difficult time. Their nation was surrounded and people were being taken captive and things were not going good at all. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come the day that you that every single person in this room may have life and have it to the full. Paul writes, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In Matthew 5, 6, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, here's two things about God's purposes. God's purposes are always always, always for our good and for his glory. Always, always for our good, right? So that we can live that full and abundant life for our good, that we would prosper and that we'd have both a hope and a future for our good, that we would live as his masterpiece, doing the good works that he planned for us long ago. 
And I get it. I, I feel you. I mean, sometimes, right, it's hard to see the good. Especially when we're going through some extremely tough times. But this is where trusting in his purposes comes in. Right? Lord, it's hard right now. Don't like it. Lord, I, I wish that things were different. I, I wish that things would change, like change now. But Lord, even though I want things to be different, I trust in you. I trust that you will cause all things to work together for the good. Even though this thing ain't so good. Because I'm called according to your purpose. For our good, for his glory. So the world might come to know just how great and good and powerful and loving and kind and gracious and awesome he is. And result, they would worship him, surrender to him, and be saved by him. It sure can be different. We trust in his person and his purposes, and we trust in his promises. His promises about his grace in your future. First, by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourself, so you can quit trying so hard. Being saved is not about trying harder. Staying saved is not about trying harder. It's a gift of God. Peter talks about the promise in Acts 2 when he preached the gospel for the first time. And he says to those who are convicted of their sins, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, this promise that if you believe and you repent and you're baptized, you have the Holy Spirit and your sins forgiven. The promise is for you and your children and for all, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. We need to trust in his promise about his grace, that it's real, that it's a gift, and that it is enough. Amen? We need to trust in his promises about our future. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If they're not so, I would have told you. Would, have, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you'll always be with me where I am. We need to trust in his promises about our future. And that's a pretty good one, right? I mean, y'all, he's coming back. And I'm going home. To my forever home. To my blow, my stinking mind home, Right? Like it ain't never been blown, right? It's going to be an incredible world, right? That's where I'm going. I got to trust in that promise that I'm saved by grace and, and that I'm going home. I need to trust in the process in regards to our spiritual growth. You see, Jesus saves us all at once, right? All at once. He saves us by grace through faith. It, it's a gift. I understand being a Christian is not about climbing this ladder, right? Like I'm on rung 13, and when I get to rung 15, like, like God's going to love me more at rung 15 than he loved me at rung 13. That's not how it works. God saved me all at once. All at once. See, God's not going to love you more when you break the addiction than he did while you were still in the middle of that addiction, all right, he saved you all at once, but spiritual growth, it's, it's a process. It really is. We've got to trust the process. Two things about the process. 
uh, one we've already talked about, but it's so important. You, you need to trust in the dirt. <laughs> trust in the dirt. Let the dirt do its work. It's not about how, it's about where. And next thing, spiritual growth is little by little. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Little by little. Now, uh, we see a picture of this in Exodus chapter 23. And the Old Testament is a shadow. The reality is in the New Testament. In Exodus 23, God is talking to his people about the promised land. It's a great land. Man, you really want to live there. And, and, and you know what? I, I'm going I'm to drive out all the, all the nations that are in there. I'm going to drive them out. Drive out your enemies who are in the land. Right? Right? And you can have this promised land, which is your inheritance. And by the way, we have an inheritance, right? But our inheritance isn't a land. Our inheritance is a, is a new lifestyle, right? A new life. A life of joy and a life of peace and hope. Uh, so God is, is bringing them into this land and a promise, their inheritance. And he's going, going ahead of them and he's going to drive out the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hananites, the Jebusites, and the Cellulites. <laughs> Because it's almost summer, right? You gotta get ready for summer. Just kidding. Okay. And, and, and he says, I'm gonna destroy, I'm gonna destroy them completely so you can live there. But then he says this. I think we see a picture of the process of spiritual growth. But I'll not drive them out in a single year. Because that land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. You wouldn't be ready for it yet. Little by little I will drive them out before you. Until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Little by little. It, it, it's a process. Little by little. Now in a world that is built on here and now. In a culture where the expectation is that if that attachment on my email does not open up in three seconds. My computer is going against the wall, right? It's like, come on. This is crazy. I'm waiting. Open up. Why is that thing spinning, right? Why is Netflix buffering again? It's time. I pushed the button. Come on. <laughs> I don't know how that really is. I just heard about people getting frustrated about stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but the truth of little by little and incremental growth and change can be a tough pill to swallow. But we need to trust in the process, right? Like, like uh, when I came to Christ and was saved and baptized 39 plus years ago, there were still some Canaanites and Jebusites in my land, right? I, I, I wasn't automatically 100% like Jesus, right? I, I'm still not. It, it, it's a process, right? And, you know, and sometimes we want to be there right away, but it, it, it's a process, right? And the delay of being where we need to be is for, for our, our development. And see, spiritual growth, and I, I said this before, you know, it, it's, it's about progress, not perfection, right? It's little by little, right? And, and listen, I'm here to tell you that, that God is more patient with your progress than you are patient with your progress. Hear what I'm saying? God is more patient with you than you are patient with you, right? He knows it's little by little. And, and sometimes some of God's greatest blessings are not what he gives you, but what he keeps from you until you're ready to handle it, right? Again, he said, if I give this land right now, you wouldn't be able to handle it. You got to grow into what I want to give you. And so I got to keep some giants in your land, right? Uh, to help develop you, right? I mean, I thought when I became a Christian, all my fears and doubts and insecurities would be gone. 
They're not. <laughs> like, they're still there. I still got to battle those giants, but the giants are left there for my development so I can receive what God has for me. About being in the dirt, it's little by little. This year can be different if we trust in his person, his purposes, his promises, and his process. And if we lean not on our own understanding, word means to prop something up against something else to be supported by it. Solomon is telling us that when it comes to choosing paths and directions in life, we're not to lean on our own understanding, experience, insight, knowledge, and worldview. We're not to be like, well, you know, I, I went to college and I read a lot of books and I've attended a bunch of seminars and all people ask me for advice. I got it going on. Just ask my friends. No. We're to lean on and trust in the Lord. You see, and when the way we view and see things conflicts with the way God views and see things, we need to lean into his direction rather than our own. When what makes sense to us doesn't line up with the word, we need to lean towards him and towards his word rather than the whispers of our heart. But the problem is, we or you think that you know what is best for you. You think that you know what will make you happy and what will fulfill you and satisfy you. You think you know how to predict and determine the outcomes and destinations you want. You think you know the best way to behave and act in a given situation, but, but do you? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? It leads to death. Right? He thought it was right, thought it was a good choice, thought it was a good path. Here's the deal. God knows better than you. God knows better than you. Look through people in the eye, give them a gentle high five, and say, God knows better than you. God knows better than you. God knows better than you. God knows better than you what will fulfill you, what will satisfy the hunger in your soul. He knows better than you what will make you happy. He knows better than you about what to do or what not to do, what to say or what not to say, how to act and how not to act, where to go and where when to go and when to stay. You see, Solomon's telling us, in spite of all that we know and all that we experience, he says, don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking that, that you are wise enough, smart enough, experienced enough, good enough, and spiritual enough to lean in, to trust in your own understanding. You see, the key to having a straight path in 2019 is a word that's hard for us to choke down. It's the word Submission. But listen, submission to God always results in straightening. Whenever we submit to God, God straightens. He smooths out. He levels. He makes good and upright. Here's the deal. When it comes to your own reasoning and your opinions, God wins. <laughs> when it comes to your own reasoning, well, this is how I think relationships should work. This is how I think you should handle money. This is how I think you should act in this situation. This is how I think you should treat people who hurt you so bad. When it comes to your reasoning and God's commands, God wins. His word wins. Get it? Good. This year can be different, right? If we trust in, if we lean not, if we acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your paths. What does it mean to acknowledge God? Is it like, hey God, there you are. 
See you, big guy. Hey, God, I want to give you a big shout out. You've been doing a great job. Here's some props to you, God. Way to go. No. To acknowledge God, hear me, means to recognize who he is and to respond accordingly. Recognize who he is and respond accordingly. Question. What is the proper response to an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, holy, just, mighty, eternal, glorious, invincible, unstoppable, uncontrollable, unshakable, uncontainable, indescribable king? It's that S word again, right? Submission. You're God and I'm not. You're in charge, not me. Your, your will, not mine. And notice Solomon didn't say, acknowledge God in, in most of your ways. No, he said, acknowledge him in all your ways. No wiggle room, all means all. It means that, that we are to acknowledge God, who he is and, and what he said and, and what he wants in our dating ways, in our marriage ways, in our moral ways, in our entertainment ways, in our professional ways, in our financial ways, in our relational ways, in our handling of conflict ways. Not just in our religious ways. You know, the, I have to make sure I look good when I'm in church ways, right? Yeah. Now, you know, when I come here, I, I got to make sure I look good here. People think we love God, we praise God, we look good in here. And no, not just that. <laughs> it's a whole lot more than that. All means all. Every area of our life, you say, God, you're in charge, not me. And even though I may not want to do what I can so clearly hear you telling me to do, I'm going to lean into, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to acknowledge you, I'm going to submit to you. And when we do that, when we do that, when we acknowledge God in, in all our ways, who he is, what he said, what he wants, when we lean not on our own understanding and when we, we trust in his purposes and his person and his process and his promises, the good news is that he will make smooth, he'll make level, he'll make right, he'll make pleasant, he'll make prosperous, he'll make upright and good our paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Good stuff, right? Amen? Amen. Yeah, you probably agree with it, right? Because like, like it's the word, we kind of agree with it, right? We're like, yep, good stuff. Took notes, fill out the outline. Good stuff. Good stuff, Steve. I agree. I agree with God. God, you said some good stuff there. And, and, and here's, the, here, here's what we do. Here's what we do as church people. I'm a church people, right? Right? Sometimes we think being convicted is enough, right? Yeah, I'm convicted. Need to trust them more. Yeah, need to lean not. We're convicted. Just being convicted don't mean deadly. I don't even know what deadly is, right? I hope it's nothing bad, right? I'm about to, someone Google, what is deadly? It doesn't mean deadly. It doesn't. What matters, what makes a difference is we actually live it out, right? I mean, we can know it, but if we don't do it, and the prime example is the guy who wrote it. Solomon. Smartest guy in every room. Went off the rails. Leaned into his own understanding. 
was afraid of foreign nations. Rather than trusting in God, he said, I don't know what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to form alliances. I'm going to marry foreign women. I know God said not to, but in most people, that would be a problem. But I'm Solomon, right? That's how we are, right? Well, I know if, if they did that, they would struggle. But me, yeah, I can do that, and I'm still going to be okay, right? So I was like, hey, I know God said not to do that, but hey, me and God are tight. We're good. I can marry foreign women. It's still going to be good. And that's what he did. Kind of got carried away, he married about 700 of them, you know, that's a little excessive. And he thought, you know, hey, you know, I married these foreign women, now I have alliances with them. And, and uh, then he wound up building altars of foreign gods. And, and this crooked path he took was tragic. It, 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 it ruined his family. It, it, it split the nation in two. And ultimately... The kingdom was conquered and destroyed by Assyria, then Babylon. You see, it's not enough to know the right stuff. And listen, you're just not smart enough to lean into your own understanding. If Solomon wasn't, you're not, and I'm not, right? Every path has a destination, right? Every path. It's going somewhere, right? I mean, that, that makes sense. Direction, not intention, determines our destination, right? right? It's where we're headed, right? We can say, well, I, I know I took a right on 29 and I, want, and, and I want to go downtown Charlottesville. I'm going to get there. No, you're not. <laughs> Unless you circle the earth, right? You're just not. Yeah, you intended to. Yeah, I, I intended to have a good relationship with my children. I intended to. But then everything I do contradicts actually achieving that, right? Divine direction begins with submission, right? You never know where God wants you to go until you're willing to submit to him. He doesn't work for us, right? <laughs> you know, you know our, our problem is we want to tell God where we're going and how to take us there. Most of our prayers are trying to get God in on our agenda, right? Okay, God, you know, I know you're smart and everything else, but I'm praying to you because I got this thing worked out. And if you would just get in on what I know is the right thing to do, everything would be great. That's not what it's about, right? We submit to him and say, God, whatever you want is what I want. Mere information is not enough. Uh, you don't need more common sense. You need a savior. You don't need more information. You need a heavenly father. This year can be different. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Only not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight, smooth, good, prosperous, upright, your path. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, we love you. And, and God, right now, I just pray for us in this room, Lord, and there's some in this room, God, who, who need to trust, God, in your, they need to trust in your person, God, that, that you're great, God, that whatever they're facing right now, that you're bigger than that, that you can handle that. God, some people in this room, God, I, I, they need to, God, they need to trust in your promises, Lord, that they're saved by grace, that they're, they're not saved by their effort, God. They need to trust in your promise of, of, this, of this future, God, that, that you have coming. God, they need to trust in your purposes, some people right now in this room. Lord, that is always for your good and always for your glory. And God, for those who are just frustrated in the process, Lord, God, help them just to get in the dirt and realize, God, that it is little by little and that you're more patient 
with them than they are with themselves. Father God, help us just to bless you. God, thank we're so grateful we do not have to do this on our own. Help us to trust you, God, with all our hearts. Help us to not lean on our own understanding. God, help us acknowledge you in all our ways. And in some ways, God, in our life you do not approve of, may we rebuke those ways, repent of those ways right now so that you can make straighter paths. This year can be different. And you're going to help us get there by the power of your spirit. Amen.